0: So, hey, Jeff, how are you doing? (laughs) Nice to see you. (laughs)
1: It's been a long time. I know.
0: Thank you again for doing this. I am very, very lucky to have you here over video on the other side of the coast. So I, um, and I found you again by, I don't know how you came up, but it was, I was Googling something. I think I saw your name and I saw your TED talk on science and spirituality. And I watched it, and I was blown away. And I was like, he is talking about the same things that I am thinking about and working on and trying to spread. Um, And who better to help explain some of these concepts than somebody like you who understands quantum physics and all these other concepts that some of us don't and could help Um, kind of interpret that. (laughs) Well, that makes me feel a little better, (laughs) a lot better. (laughs) So um, so I have a quote from your TED talk, which I won't read the whole thing of, but it was basically talking about, you said something about Einstein saying that thoughts suffer. I'm just going to dive right in right now. <laughs> Einstein said that soft thoughts suffer from an optical illusion of consciousness. The illusion that this illusion that there is a separate person inside an environment when in reality, there's just energy and motion everywhere. And so you talk more about, Like, maybe we are all energy. So, can you talk a little more about, I mean, that seems so fascinating to me, and and I totally agree with that. But can you explain, do you still believe that's true? Or if so, how, what does that mean for us, if that is true, that we're all energy?
1: Hmm. Yeah, a couple couple different metaphors come to mind. I, I guess I'd like to preface by saying that any kind of science is a system of metaphors to try to understand something that is beyond our understanding, as far as I can tell. And so it's like the real question of science for me is, does the theory serve any utility? Is it mm. useful for us to have a scientific theory? Not, not is it true or false, because nothing about science is true or false. It's literally just ways to try to model conceptually what's happening mm. in our experience. Um, and either they're useful or they're not useful. For example, like you know, the computers we're using right now. If we didn't have science and we didn't have quantum mechanics and all that kind of stuff, it'd be really hard to make a computer like this. Hmm. You know, just by randomly throwing rocks at each other. Mm-hmm. But to then say that quantum mechanics is true is a big leap of judgment, and I think it's, it turns into kind of scientism this belief that uh, a certain scientific structure is, is true just because the math turns out to give you a predictable number. Um, Hmm. But the quote that you were getting at is, I think, really deeply related to the fact that we take individual credit for things that are not necessarily individual. And one metaphor that uh, Michael Singer uses that I really love is that there's a river flowing and there might be a little bank on the side of the river and some of the river water flows right through and some of it kind of goes into the bank and forms little eddy currents and comes back out. Yeah. Now, that's still just a single continuous flow, but it looks like an object. It Mm -hmm. looks like there's a thing called an eddy current. Mm -hmm. And that seems to have an independent existence, although if you look at the flow of water, you can tell that it's literally just water coming in, water going out. And I think a human is just an extension of that metaphor. You know, there's we did nothing to show up here on the planet. There's Mm -hmm. some force that is making Mm -hmm. uh, evolution happen that is. Changing the dynamic of the planet that brought humans here in the first place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But then all of a sudden, the human is born out of that, you know, like as Alan Watts says, like the yes. earth peoples the way that an apple tree apples, you know. So the mm. apples were from the tree, just like we just grew out of the earth. And that makes us the earth. But somehow we stand on the earth and we look at ourselves and feel like we're not the earth, but that we're a little human being that's separate, that's on a thing called the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, that doesn't happen. I know you have kids that doesn't happen when a baby is born mm-hmm. that's a learned thing that takes months and months to learn in different ways how you're separate from the universe right? mm-hmm. yes but at first there's just purely an energetic flow that is determining everything that happens mm-hmm. uh, the mind is so powerful and complex that it starts to actually get this optical delusion of consciousness where it starts to think
0: mm-hmm. that it's making
1: its own decisions. Mm-hmm. but even the Make those decisions is coming from something that's uh, undefinable.
0: It sounds like what you're talking about is, I mean, an argument for the existence of a God or God. And I mean, and some people call it God. Some people wouldn't call it that. God is a loaded term and brings up a lot of things for people, but a higher power.
1: <laughs> <No worries. laughs> nice to be
0: We're just um, talking about the existence of God over here. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Isn't it perfect though? It's perfect. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, as you said, that's a super loaded term. Yeah. So it's hard to have any kind of discussion about it without seven billion different interpretations of what that word means. Yes. Um, but I think what's clear is that the forces that are at play in the universe are bigger than the forces that a human. Uh, has control over at thinking they are a separate being.
0: Yes. Um, yes.
1: And I think one one example that I really love is someone said like, you know, if you think that you can make a baby, uh, just try to go make a foot. You know, you mm-hmm. can't go make a foot. Right, you like, can't. You, mm-hmm. you put yourself in a situation, and then the universe uses you as a conduit to make an organism. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and
1: that intelligence is definitely not something this thing has any kind of like. Yes. Real know how about it's just like surrenders to something that's much bigger intelligence.
0: Yes, yes. Um,
1: So, unfortunately, the descriptions of that, people fight over their specific descriptions of that, and that causes a lot of conflict. But Mm -hmm. Fundamentally, it feels that uh, everyone's actually pointing at the same thing,
0: Mm -hmm. which
1: is that this idea that we make independent decisions in the world is totally false, Mm -hmm. and that that can be seen through. And when, when it is seen through by the mind, that the mind isn't making its decisions for itself, Uh, That that can engage a new type of freedom and and a loss of suffering.
0: It seems like sometimes our minds are our own worst enemies, and it's like some people call it the ego, or you know the inner critic, or that you know that other self that holds us back and tells us why we can't do things. Or so it's which is so. It seems so contradictory to what we've we thought for so long that our minds can create. And think, but on the on the flip side, we're actually could be they can be quite destructive. Do you? What do you think about that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, like they said to, uh, I think it was Spider Man. um, With great power comes great responsibility.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: It's easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but the ego is this incredibly powerful tool as a set of mind operations of like. Oh, where does this organism want to go? What is the, what is exciting for it? All this kind of stuff. What are the mm-hmm. desires? But mm-hmm. um, well, yeah, when well, we get attached to those things, we kind of get stuck. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, if I just had this one thing, I'd finally feel at peace. Instead of like feeling peace and then moving inside that peace into the next
0: place. We mm-hmm. want to go. Mm-hmm. So, So, so
1: yes. yeah. Both, it's a double, double-edged sword.
0: Right. And you, um, I know that you practice meditation and um, and so do I. And, and you've probably heard of that meditation experiment in Washington, D.C. when everybody was meditating on one day and all the crime rate went down. So yeah. I love to use that example because and for me that says that, well, what does that suggest? Can we actually change, affect our environment with our own thoughts and energy? What do you think about that?
1: Well, here's the funny thing people are so doubtful about that. Yeah. But they know that the opposite is true. They know that if they are, if someone gets really angry at them, that they will feel that anger and they'll probably be a little angrier to the next person. Like if Someone yells at you in the road and they get that out of the way or whatever. Like, yeah. you feel that and you have that energy and you have to give it to the next person. Mm-hmm. So, like, obviously angry energy transmutes from person to person and spreads, why would the opposite not be true? Mm -hmm. I think we have less, less, it's harder for us to like allow that to be the case because then it actually gives us an enormous amount of power Mm -hmm. over uh, the the state of the whole world.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you think there's anything scientific in that? I mean, I guess we all want to find evidence and proof of things, but you know from what I read about that one example the meditation experiment nobody could find any real hard evidence of how that happened how did the crime rate go and I know you just explained it a little bit but I'm thinking about like from a point of the atoms and the you know vibrations and um, things that I don't you know totally understand but frequencies think you know is it just something that's totally like you know the whole law of attraction is that a myth is it a real thing from a quantum physics perspective what do you what do you, i'm just curious what you think about that
1: i guess i feel like the most important thing is that the answer to that question has to be in someone's direct experience right and hearing about any whether it's true or false on the outside it has no actual bearing on how someone lives their life
0: mm-hmm. um
1: i know that someone could pretty easily, once again, kind of convince themselves that the opposite end of the same spectrum is true. Like if they, if they have to go to a party and they think they're going to have a horrible time, that they probably have a worse time. Yes. Because they have biased themselves into that. Yes. But for them to say, well, maybe the opposite is true. Maybe if I go in thinking that everything is a learning opportunity, mm-hmm. then suddenly I'm going to be learning all the time. Well, that's also maybe true, but it's harder because it. in order to let it be true, you're going to have to go through your own resistances for why you don't let that happen all the time. And no one likes feeling that stuff. That's where it seems like all the juiciness is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to go through the developmental patterns that you've developed, two developmental patterns you've developed, the patterns that you've developed (laughs) as you've aged um, that have protected you. Yes. When you have felt in fear. And that, you know, those things happen from super young age. Yes. Forever. And sometimes it's not even your own. Sometimes it's in your ancestry. Yes. And when you when you want to, like, concede to something like the law of attraction, you have to let yourself fall through all those resistances to why mm-hmm. you don't already follow the law mm-hmm. of attraction. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really, you know, someone has to conduct that experiment themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. So part of the reason why I'm asking all these things is because it's sometimes you know there's a lot of noise out. There. I don't say noise, but talk out there about the law of attraction. It's it's kind of become a little bit of, you know, a fad in some ways. But you're a scientist, and you, you know, are uh, yeah, <laughs> and you were you know everybody probably mentions this, but you know you gained some, um you got known, you became known. Um, through your work, the Discovery Channel found you, and you hosted a sh- a, the show Time Warp. And you've have your own company. and You're doing a million different creative musical artists. I mean, it's amazing all the things you're doing. So, um, thank you. So, and whereas you know, I, I think, I think um, it's really fascinating to me that you you came from the scientific perspective background, and now you're move you've moved towards a real spiritual meditative path for yourself and I'm just curious about, you know, how that, how you've come to that place and what that looks like for you now in your own life and as much as you feel like sharing. Um, You're
1: allowed to go deep if you want to go It's that.
0: totally up to you.
1: No, I mean, anything you ask, I'll give some answer to. Um, I guess I got really lucky um, to have a moment in my life where all of the things that I thought I needed, I had, and I still felt like shit, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like, there's this real irony, like most people that don't get everything that they think they need and spend their entire lives actually believing that they just need one more thing and that that's going to make them feel at peace Mm -hmm. you know whether it's the job or the money or the girl or the apartment or whatever Yes. and I lived that for a long time and every couple years I got the next thing and a new thing appeared you know I'd Mm -hmm. feel really great for a week and then a new thing would appear Mm -hmm. Um, but there was actually a moment um, when I was doing the TV show where I had everything Mm -hmm. and Still, when I would be laying down in bed, I would I would not feel peace and joy and love. Mm-hmm. I would feel stress.
0: Yeah. And
1: there's a real blessing in that. I mean, it was like the most painful time in my life to like have to see that all those dreams were not going to ever pay off, but to mm-hmm. be be shown kind of smacked in the face, so to speak, like with the reality of that. Um, mm-hmm. Made me stop looking outside for all those things, and made me start realizing that I was actually creating the boundaries to feeling those things instead of that I actually did need something else to feel it.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's incredible that you were able to come to that realization on your own. I mean, you're obviously a brilliant, you have a brilliant mind, but I think a lot of people don't, they're not able to do that. And um, they're really suffering. And part of what I'm working on as you know, is people in their workplaces who are just miserable there was a poll that said only 30% of workers in the U S feel engaged in their jobs, which is really, really sad. So it's like, you know, but I'm on this mission to kind of spread the message. Like well, you don't have to do it this way. Everything you're saying right now is the answer. And I guess where's my question here is how, how can people do, how can, how can people do what you're doing <laughs> or how can they get to that place to, realize some of these external things are not what make them happy if they're if they're suffering as a lot of people are
1: i think there's two major factors that come to mind immediately and one of them is there is no motivation like suffering yeah it's just it is the deepest motivation that someone can ever have Mm -hmm. Um, but what happens in our culture is that suffering also comes with an implicit belief that, that you can't get out of it. Yes. And so I feel like when someone is, is in a situation where they have that extreme suffering and they b- start to believe that there might be a way beyond it, that's when things will start to change.
0: Yes. They have to have hope. But if, <laughs> they have, to have, they have mm-hmm. to have,
1: like, you know, to use as a provocative a word as possible, they have to have some amount of faith.
0: Faith, yes. To,
1: to even engage in an experiment with themselves, mm-hmm. of like, what happens if I try this?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And mm-hmm. to me, that's, a, that's a, like a scientific type, type of faith, it's like, here's an experiment that someone proposes, look at the content of your mind, for example, you know, there's many experiments, but mm-hmm. um, if I don't engage in that experiment, I can't say whether it's true or false, or whether it will help or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to actually follow the rules of the experiment, and I have to see what happens.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you know, ironically for me, science was like the way into all those things like meditation. Like I had to first find all the neuroscientists talking about it and talking about how it changed the brain and everything like that. And then eventually, you know, five years later, I'm watching like Muji and Eckhart Tolle. And yes. Kira and things like that. But that was like, there would not have been any openness to that at all for me without the path of it being through the conceptualization of science. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the beauty of the practices themselves is like, if someone is just willing to right away try a practice for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. it will probably cause a little bit of confusion in them. And confusion to me is like this really beautiful opening that mm-hmm. there may be something going on in your system that you don't understand. Yes. And this kind of like beginner's mind all of a sudden of like, Wait, what is it that's going on in my system when I do this experiment? And that can be this tiny little crack in the wall that opens up into like a football stadium of new experience.
0: hmm hmm. That's fascinating. Well, I am. Um, I'm going to wrap up soon because I've already it's already almost been a longer than I would wanted to keep you. But I wanted to ask you a qu- just I was looking at some of the art installations that you do. And I mean, you're you're doing some incredibly creative things. And I think the other thing that, you know, comes up for me is a lot of people have these creative spark. That maybe lies dormant in them. And you're you're expressing your creativity in so many different ways and so many, you know, how does I guess my question is, how do you do I mean you have art, you have music, you I mean how do you how did you overcome the fear of doing, you know, stepping into the art world when you have a science background or you know?
1: I don't think I have ever overcome the fear.
0: Hmm. Wow
1: about riding deeper and deeper the wave of fear
0: that is amazing yeah like
1: what i find is that the more i work the more i see how i'm still holding myself back from something that's even more risky to try yes yeah there's like i don't see an end to that i see it getting more and more interesting like oh when i relax that assumption about myself or constraint like i actually go for it and then it opens up this new world of possibility And then that's going to make me even more afraid the next time to like, try to go past that thing. You know, the mind wants to like have a good example of something that's going to work and it wants to do that a hundred times so that it will be sure that things will work. Yes. Um, And the heart wants exactly the opposite. And, you know, for me, the whole like science and art thing, I just, I just knew at some point I couldn't keep doing science without working on art. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that everyone needs to do that. I think someone, you know, them being a mother is their art. Mm. you know it doesn't have to be like some kind of physical sculpture mm-hmm. or something like that it's like
0: mm-hmm. it's
1: like the, the art of living and, and interacting and mm-hmm. relating with others mm-hmm. being with challenges and that sort of thing so mm-hmm. for me that happens to be how i want to move in the world you know at least some of the time yeah um, but there's a million a million ways of being
0: it's almost like you know people have to express their souls in some way and they, their souls want to be expressed and it comes out in, in some, and it comes out through art, It comes out through music. And to me, that's like when people are producing these amazing works, beautiful music, which I know you're an incredible musician as well, that it's, it's like the soul it's some, it's coming from a different place. It's almost channeling and uh, you know, something higher force, which how do anyway? So I, I think, um, it sounds like you're nodding, so I'm assuming that sounds like that sounds like what you're thinking about too, a little yeah, bit.
1: Yeah, it feels kind of feels kind of like, you know, sometimes I thought I was trying to build myself into more of a more capable person to get something out, and now I feel like it, the practice is to a balance of that with getting yourself out of your own way. You know, yes. Something bigger than you can speak.
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah.
1: That's where all the resistance is going to be. Yeah. You know, so like the ego structures are there because they've served you really well through your life. And so now yes. it's like, you know, they're not necessarily serving you anymore. Yes. So it's always this like riding this edge of, you know, what if something wants to come through me that I just don't feel like I can do? Yes. But, you know, it's too big or it's too much responsibility or any of these possibilities. There's, uh, there's resistance that we have learned from. The patterns yes I don't see it ever that there's an end to that it just seems like it gets more and more subtle and more and more interesting like the ways that the structures are trying to hold on
0: mm-hmm and that's right So I'm gonna last very quick question is do you feel like with all the stuff that's going on on our planet you know not always positive is there hope <laughs> for mm. humanity? Uh, what's on the hope scale? On the hope scale between one and ten? <laughs> um, no, you don't have to answer that question if you don't want to, if it's more of a one. But. <laughs>
1: I, think a, I think it's a really good question. I've, I have more and more trouble. Let me figure out how to phrase this. I can't imagine a way. That the world would be mobilized to solve, for example, the environmental crisis. Yeah. Without it first getting so out of control that Mm -hmm. it affects people directly.
0: Yes. And
1: so I can't see the bad sides as bad anymore. Yes. They seem as an absolutely necessary part of the process to all the good things that we want. And it seems like every major revolution in history was precipitated by the most stressful time.
0: Yes. Yes. The
1: same as like when we process our own stuff. It's like we feel this resistance. We don't want to feel it. We don't want to feel it. We let ourselves feel it, and then we feel amazing.
0: Yes. Oh, and yes.
1: Can we, can we skip that step within ourselves? Mm-hmm. I used to think that we could, and now I don't think that we can. And I think mm-hmm. the same thing is true for the Earth. I don't think we can just get into this kind of green utopia without first mm-hmm. having some really hard times. Mm-hmm. And so I actually feel like the question is, How are we going to ride that line? Mm -hmm. Maybe we're going to like all go extinct and try to ride that line. Or maybe we're going to, you know, evolve into the next place.
0: Yeah. Or watch the animals go extinct, which is probably going to happen first. Some of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really an interesting thing because the environmental question is always a really interesting way to see how human centric all of our attitudes are. Mm -hmm. Because if you ask any other animal, what we should do about the environmental crisis, they would say, kill all the humans.
0: Yes, exactly. Because we're the ones it's ruining far. it. <laughs> it's by far
1: the easiest way to solve the environmental yep. crisis. Yep, really... yep. Humans, humans don't... that's not a possibility on their brainstorming list. Right, right. right. So we're we're the best. Right. <laughs> of, you know, of yep. what it is to be environmental, and it includes us staying at the top of the food chain. Yep. So um, that's always really interesting to me when talking to environmentalists, like, you know, to at least be explicit that that's the process that's going yes.
0: on. Yes, yes. And it, sometimes it has to get worse it, before it gets better, so.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, um, there's a line in a Kurt Weil song where he says, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, he said, at some point man realized that life proceeds in a series of peaks and valleys.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: That's so, great. And you possibly have one without the
0: other. Yeah, I... Yeah. So Jeff, this is, I have to just do this to you because I am just so grateful for everything you've said. I mean, you literally opened my mind in this last half hour and just affirmed a lot of what I've been thinking about, but didn't have the scientific background to understand. So I'm planning to share this at some point and I'll, and uh, I'm not sure how, but I'm really, I think what you just said really needs to be shared. So I'm just so grateful to you. Thank you so much your time (laughs) thanks so much
1: yeah